Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Inspire Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message inspire you, that it builds your faith, and that it can help you see how God desires to move in your life. Enjoy the message. Years ago, um, I'm going to be 39 years old, but when I was about 19, 20 years old, I went to a Benny Hinn crusade. I was hungry for the miraculous. And we had seen people healed in our local church, but I would turn on Christian television and I'd see mass miracles. I'd see 24 people come out of a wheelchair and they'd say, I give you praise. And then the next day they'd have it. I mean, if I saw one person, I would do, I don't cartwheels and flips. I don't know. And I, but it was just so common. And so I was hungry for the miraculous. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it in my church. And so I went to a Benny Hinn crusade in Chicago and I went place was packed. They sang for three hours. Thank God we don't sing for three hours anymore, but they did then. And Jesus was so high and lifted up in the service that you never had to pray for healing because praise is like a magnet. When you release praise, you pull heaven down to the earth. If you're living through hell, if you'll release a praise, you'll cause heaven to descend into your hell. That's the power of your praise. And so they lifted Jesus up and he was so high and lifted up that miracle signs and wonders would just begin to break out all throughout the stadium. And I was so overwhelmed by what God was doing that I, I stepped out. I stepped, it was just too much. And I stepped out, not because I was grateful, but there was this holy, if I could say it this way, without being misunderstood, and I know you would never misunderstand me because we're best friends already, but there was this holy jealousy, if you would, already. Because I wanted to see this, and so I step out, and I'm overwhelmed, and I see these ladies. You know, in, in Chicago, we're not always as nice as you all are. We're yanking on the door, like, you know, let me in, let me in. Like the blood of Jesus. And security had blocked the doors. No one else could come in because there, was, there wasn't any more seats. There was, it was at max capacity. And I heard this lady yell, and she said, don't you get it. If I can just get in the stadium, I'm going to get a miracle. And it hit me. When was the last time any, anybody had ever come to my church ready to kick down a door and said, if I just get in, I'm going to get a miracle. That's not how we were coming. We were coming with our fingers crossed, hoping, I hope today is the day. Like the Chicago Cubs in the World Series. I hope, maybe, maybe I'll win. I hope today is the day. These people didn't come hoping, they came expecting. They came like kids on Christmas that sleep with one eye closed and one eye open because they're just sure that when that clock ticks over, Santa Claus is going to drop a gift. And I learned it's the highest level of faith that exists. Expectation. Where I don't come in the presence of the Lord hoping I come into his presence expecting. Now that's not my sermon. That's my, that's my preamble to let you know that today and in the next service and tonight and tomorrow, don't come to Inspire Church hoping. Come expecting. Come with your hands open and say, I'm not going to leave the way I came. I declare that when I leave the presence of God, I'm going to get a miracle. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be delivered. Something is going to change because I'm stepping into the presence of the miraculous. Can you say amen? I am so honored to be with you. I give honor to your pastor. How many love your pastor? One time, amen. One time, Pastor John, I went to a church and I said, how many love the pastor? And even the pastor's wife didn't say anything. And I got really nervous, got really awkward. I didn't know what to do. But thank you for loving your pastor, loving this church, loving this ministry, loving the gospel, loving the word, and loving the King of Kings. It's my honor to be with you. I want to share with you from the book of Mark chapter 4, one of the most important Bible verses that I ever came across in my personal life that challenged me. Uh, it comes from the gospel of Mark chapter 4. 
And it's in verse, uh, it's the last verse of chapter 4. It's verse 41, and I'll give you the context of what we're about to read. Jesus had just gotten done giving, uh, he had just done a four-night inspiration faith conference uh, there in Jerusalem, and he had preached, and he had taught, and he had given a good word. This is God manifest in the flesh, the Son of the living God. He's preached real good. No one has to amen him because he amens himself when he preaches. And the disciples hear him preach, he gets done, and they get in a boat, and he says, we're going to cross over to the other side. Now, remember that phrase. That's a very important phrase. He said, we're going to cross over to the other side. And in the midst of crossing over, a storm arises. And when the storm arises, the wind blows, and the waves beat against the boat. There's a storm, there's rain, and no one says, the God that lives inside of the Son of God will deliver us. There's no faith in the boat. Jesus is asleep. And when the disciples find him, they don't react properly to how Jesus is reacting to the storm. May I help you today? If you're ever going through a storm and you approach the throne of grace and you find out that heaven is chill, you ought to chill out too. I've learned something. I've flown, this year alone, I've flown 275,000 miles on airplanes. I don't know how much that is in kilometers, but it's a lot. And every now and then the plane bumps and bounces and shakes and rattles and rolls. And people that aren't used to being on airplanes, they get very religious very quickly. <laughs> you'll, see, <laughs> you'll see all kinds of things happen. They get very religious really quick. Wine glasses are thrown to the side. Beer bottles are kicked under chairs. Bibles come out and people, oh, in the name of Jesus, oh, God... And what I learned to do is when, we're, when there's turbulence, when there's storms, and we're flying through a storm, I look for the flight attendant. Because there's nobody who's flown more on that plane than the flight attendant. And when I'm going through a storm and I see the flight attendant still walking through the plane, hi, would you like coffee? Would you like water? Would you like sparkling water? Then I'm okay. But it's when she puts the coffee pot down and she sits down and starts saying, oh my God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then I get worried. Then I get religious. When the pilot comes on and he says, um, we're going to have a few bumps along the way. I don't worry. It's when he comes on and he says, is there a minister on the plane? Please come forward. Sometimes we fret about things that don't fret God. When a child falls and hurts and injures itself, Usually at that moment, for those of you that have young children, usually know there's like a long pause in the cry. They fall, they see the scab, and they and they look at your they look for the parent. And if the parent says, "Oh my God," the child will say, "Ah!" I think they're crying about you. They're like, "Who is this person? Leave me alone!" But when the parent, when they see that there's calmness in the parent. There'll be peace in the child. So they find Jesus, and he's sleeping. Their reaction should have been, well, it must not be that bad. But they wake him up, and they say, hey, hey, boss, we're going to die. Don't you care? And Jesus wakes up, and the Bible says, he says, peace, be still. I don't know if he was talking to the wind or to the disciples. Another translation, my translation, Jesus said, shush. Just shush. 
And the Bible says that immediately when he says it, the wind stops, the waves cease, the storm goes away, and nobody says, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Ooh, you like that. I felt that right there, too. Nobody says, hallelujah, that's my Jesus. Nobody does that. They walk away and they say, hey. They say, oh, my God. And they weren't talking to him. Oh, my God. And Jesus said, hey, I think he was Latino. Hey, muchacho, ven para acá, ven para acá. Oye, muchacho, where's your faith? And they said, we must have lost it, sorry. And they looked at each other. The Bible says, verse 41, so that you know it's actually in the Bible because you're not sure if anything I preach is in the Bible just yet. Verse 41, and they looked at each other with faith? No, they looked at each other with fear. And they said, who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? These are the people that are closest to Jesus. They work for the guy. They go to all the miracle services. They've been to all 72 services of the faith conference and inspired church. They're the deacon. They're the elder. They, these, are, they, this, these are the most, these are the, they're the most intimate people in ministry with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when, and in the book of Mark chapter 1, they saw many that, well, there's the baptism. They see demons rebuked. They see many healed. They see a man with palsy be healed. They saw a man healed on the Sabbath. They saw Jesus healed a withered hand. They see a leper be healed. They have been witnesses to what God has done for others, but they have yet to have a personal experience with him. And so when he does the miracle, they say, who is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him, proving that you can love him, you can walk with him, and you can even work with him and not know him. You can know all the church doctrine. You can know all the resolutions that there are in the bylaws of the constitution of the, whatever denomination you're a part. You can know all the hymns. You can know all the choruses. You can know them in English and Espanol. And there is a chance that you can know everything about church culture and not know the king of this church. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible to be religious and not have a relationship with him, to know him for yourself. I am the son of a preacher. My, my, both of my parents were pastors. My grandparents were pastors. My uncles and aunts were pastors. Somebody said, where'd you go to Bible college? I said, my dining room table. But I got in trouble when I was a young person in school. And I remember my mom told me, I was about 13, 14 years old. And she said, you know what your problem is? He's my God, but he's not your God. She said, we have to bring you to church. We drag you to church. You go because I take you. But if I didn't take you, would you go? He said, she said, you're going to have to get to a place where he's not only the God of your father and your mother, but he becomes the God and the Lord and the Savior of your life. And she said, and it's going to require you having your own experience, your own witness, your own testimony of who God is. They had seen him heal the multitude, yet they did not know him for themselves. Now, here's the thing that I learned about God. He's such a good teacher that if you fail the first test, he doesn't flunk you out of school. He'll give you the test again. My, young, my, my oldest, when he started grade school, you know, in, 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 the, in, the, in America, the grading system, and I don't know what it is in Australia, but in, 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 in elementary school, it's A, B, C, D, and F. F is the worst, A is the best. And my son came home with his first report card, and he had P's. 
And I said, oh, my God, this is really bad. He didn't even get an F. He got a P. I was really nervous. I don't know what a P is. And so I went to the parent-teacher conference, and I put on a three. I found one of my old preacher suits, you know, because we're all fancy now. But, you know, I put on one of my old preacher suits, three, you know, with the vest and the, you know what, cufflinks and the, the shoes and the, the you know, the, the fancy. I, I slicked my hair back, and I went in. I looked like a banker or a preacher or a car salesman, one of the three, and I walked in because I wanted to let that teacher know, I don't know why he got a P, but my side of the family, we don't get P's. I don't know what happened there. And I sat down, and I acted very prim and proper. And she said, hello. And I said, how do you do? I said, would you please explain to me my child's report card? And she said, well, he's doing wonderful. I said, I don't think so. This isn't the moment to be positive. Let's just be realistic. How bad is it? She said, oh, in Virginia Beach, we use a different grading system, Mr. Suarez. I said, oh, you do? Please explain she said, we don't see the benefit in failing children from school. I said, well, you don't. She said, we don't. I said, well, where were you when I was in school? <laughs> she said, in our grading system, P means proficient. DP means developing proficiency. I said, well, then how do you judge a test? And she says, we don't see any value in flunking the child, so we'll give them the test, and if they don't pass the test, we'll give them the test again. I said, you do? And I said, and what if they fail that one? She says, we'll give them the test again. And then I felt the Holy Ghost. I said, hey. I said, so what do you do ah, if they fail that one as well? She said, we give them the test again. I said, so you're telling me that if I don't pass the test, I get another chance. And she said, yes. I said, and I get another chance. She said, yes. And I said, whoo. And at that point, I'm tapping. I wish that drummer was there because I was tapping my foot under the table. She said, are you okay? I said, I'm all right. I'll be all right. And I went to the car and I got it. And before I got in the car, I had to get Pentecost. I said, and then I got in the car. And when I got alone and I closed the windows and I closed the doors, I said, that's just like Jesus. Because he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And I used to think, because I don't know about you, but let me tell you about me. There are times in my life where I have had to take the same test over and over and over again. And the enemy had convinced me that I was a failure because I was taking the same test over and over again. But then the revelation of grace came to me. It's not because I'm a failure. It's because my father wants to make sure that I pass the test. You ought to give God praise right there. So if you say, I've been walking through the same thing for 10 years or 20 years, you ought to give God praise because that lets me know that he's going to make sure that you learn the lesson of the wilderness. He's going to make sure that you pass this test because he doesn't want you to die in the valley. He's got a mountain for you to obtain. So give God praise because you're about to go from glory to glory. I can prove it in scripture. <laughs> it's always good to be in scripture. Because that wasn't the last time Jesus put him in the boat. A few months later, he said, gentlemen, let's take another boat ride. But this time, 
I'll catch up to you. All right. We get in the boat. Jesus is waving. Go. Adios. And he sends them off. And they're just riding riding the waves. All is well. When the storm hits, the waves, the rain, the wind, here we go again. But this time, behold, he comes walking on the waves. And nobody says, there he is. That's my Jesus. That's my boss. They looked and they said, oh my God. It's a ghost. Happy Halloween. Oh my God. And Jesus says, my man, it's me. And Peter, who I think was named Pedro, he said, nah, nah. If it's you, let me walk on the water. That's, it's not gonna be. And Jesus says, come on. This is an important scripture. This is an important part of the scripture. Job chapter 9 verse 8 says only God walks on the face of the waters. That was true. Past tense. Was true. Until Simon Peter dared to walk where only God walks. He dared to step into a place where no one had ever walked before. See, if you're going to have an experience with God, sometimes you have to step into the unknown. See, Simon Peter is what? He is a fisherman. He knows boats. He knows fishing. He knows how to maneuver storms. He doesn't know how to walk on water. So he's stepping in what is common to him. He's standing in what is known to him. But for him to have the experience that he is about to have with Christ, he has to step out from the known into the unknown. See, this requires faith. This This requires wisdom. This requires knowledge. But this to walk here, this requires faith because I've never been here before. I don't don't know how to step in this. I I don't know how to walk on this. But let me tell you, if you ever hear the voice of God telling you, come on, you take the step even if you don't know where to put your foot because I prophesy to you that the God that called you will guide you and take, he'll guide your step every step of the way. Who am I preaching to today? There's a Simon Peter in this room and the Holy Ghost is calling you to take a step where you have never seen step before but he's not calling you out alone he's waiting for you right in the midst of the unknown and you say well not you not you because y'all are cool but the legalist would say yes pastor but he drowned why are you always focusing on the negative part of the story you to drown too yes but he fell the bible says you will in fact it says you'll do it seven times but you'll get Back up again. So he falls. I'm not focusing on the fall. I'm focusing that he walked where no man had ever walked before. I'm focusing on that he was saved by the mercy hand of God. I'm focusing on that. I know Pentecost. Let me tell you what. If there's something I know, I know Pentecostal preachers. And I promise you that every man in that boat, after they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they got their own churches, and they all became bishops and archbishops, and they started preaching, I, pro- I know that all of them said, I saw a man walk on the water, and if he did it, so can you. I promise you all of them did it because I know Pentecostal preachers 
All of them preached about what they saw. But there was one man who never had to preach about what he saw because he could preach about what he lived. He said, I didn't see a man walk on the water. I am the man that walked on the water. And this is important because a few months later, they're hanging out at the beach. And they're all, they're having a, they're not a fish fry because they're healthy people. But they're grilling fish on the beach. And Jesus says, um, who do men say that I am? And uh, the disciples said, well, you know, some people say you're a prophet. Some people think you're a good man. I mean, overall, the ratings are good. You got like five stars on Facebook. I mean, our likes are up, nothing negative, no fake accounts on Instagram. Things are pretty good right now. And Jesus says, and who do you say that I am? And Simon, man, I'm really getting a workout in this sermon. You better respond because, like, I'm really tired. Simon jumps up. Hey, don't talk. Shush. Don't say anything. Do you see where we're at? We're at the beach. You see the water? Do you know what's in the water? That man probably has another boat back there. Stop it. Don't say anything dumb. I don't want to have to get back in a boat. Simon says, shh. I know who you are. I know who you are. Because I had an experience with you on the water. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I know you. I know you, not because what I've heard about you, not because what I've read about you, but I know you because of what you've done for me. I know you because I had an experience with you in the unknown. I know you because you saved me when I was about to fail. I know you because you called me out and you caused me to walk where I had never walked before. I know who you are out of relationship. And Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. That's important. Because up until that time in scripture, he had always been called Simon. Simon the fisherman, Simon the fisherman, Simon the fisherman. But when he had a when he had an encounter with Christ, when he had a revelation of who Christ was, it did not just change his perspective, it changed his identity. Because he went from being Simon the fisherman to Peter the rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not, will not, cannot prevail. I'm here to prophesy to someone this morning that what you thought was about to cause you to drown is the thing that God's about to use you to use to give you a revelation of who he is and as you understand who he is you're going to understand who you are you're not who you thought you were you're the head and not the tail you're a victor you're blessed coming in and you're blessed coming out you're about to see that you are a victor in Christ Jesus would you give him praise in this house come on give him a higher praise in this house musicians come You remember at the beginning of the sermon when I said, remember this phrase? When he said, let's cross over to the other side. Every detail I just gave you, preach is real good and it's real important. And you need to apply it to your life. But had they believed the first word, the rest of those details would not be in scripture. Had they understood the power of who was speaking. Jesus said, we're going to cross over. To the other side. Had they understood the authority that that man had. Had they understood the weight of his words. They would have never fretted the storm. Because the Bible says he's not a man that he should lie. Jesus said. We're going to cross over. That means. It doesn't matter. 
what happens between point A and point B. If Jesus said, we're going to cross over, there's no weapon in hell that can stop me. The enemy can raise up against me, but the Lord will raise up a standard against the aheta, will raise up a standard against the attack of the enemy. Because here's the power of the word of God. You know John 1 and 1 in English. I'm about to teach you Spanish right now. John 1 and 1 in English says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But in Spanish, it says, en el principio era el verbo. Y el verbo era con Dios. Y el verbo era Dios. Now, you and I both know it sounds more romantic in Spanish. But that's not why it's not, that's not why it's more that, There's revelation. There's, there's just things that we can, we can help each other out. In Spanish, it does not say, in the beginning was the word. Verbo means verb. So it, what it says is, in the beginning was the verb. Why is that important? Because my God, when he speaks, he speaks verbs. What's a verb? It's a word in action. It's a word in action. That's why every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God cannot return void. That's why if he said it, it shall come to pass. That's why when there was nothing, he said, let there be light. He released a verb, and the verb created the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything that we have around us. When God said he was going to heal you, that was a verb. When he said he was going to save your family, that was a verb. When he said he is going to deliver you, that was a verb. When he said he's going to bless your finances, that was a verb. And ladies and gentlemen, you can hold on to the verb of God and take it to the bank because if God said it, it shall, it shall, it shall come to pass. Would you stand up and give God a hand clap of praise all over the sanctuary? Jesus said, we're going to cross over to the other side. That was a verb. Sometimes when God speaks a word, we don't see any action. We wonder, what's God doing? His word is going before you. And that word is making a way where there was no way. That word will go before you and slay giants and remove obstacles and create a pathway. And what happens is that one day, all you're doing is stepping into the fulfillment of the word of God. There's some Simons in this room. You love him. You've known about him. You've sung about him. But today is a day of destiny for you. For this is the day that you go from being a Simon to a Peter. This is the day, Ka, that the Lord calls you out of the boat and causes you to walk where you've never walked before. This is the day where you break away from the mold and you have your own experience with Christ. And I promise you, you will never be the same. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or simply for more information regarding Inspire Church, visit us at inspirechurch.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. It's our prayer that you live inspired by the Word of God and more alive in Him than ever before. Until next time.